So welcome to the CEO huddle. And this is a place where we believe that everybody is their own CEO in charge of their own destiny. And to that end, I'm thrilled today to be joined by someone who's an inspiration to millions of people as he shares his knowledge on wellness and healthy living for the mind, body and spirit. An international best-selling author, one of which is entitled The Power of Self-Healing, world-renowned chiropractor and Hay House radio host of Self-Healing with Dr. Fab. The clue is in the title. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Fab Mantini. How are you? Well, Peter, it's so great to be with you today. And I'm super excited about having this conversation uh, and be able to somehow inspire everyone that is uh, listening and viewing this uh, to somehow live their greatest potential. Well, I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for, for, uh, since we spoke a couple of weeks ago. And, I, and I'm, we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to have lots of fun. I've got, I've got so many things to, to ask you. But the thing I want to start with, Bob, is something that I think people always talk about the now and what you do. But I'm really interested in how you, you're born in uh, Colombia and you came to the States and you became a doctor. And uh, I'm really interested in, in what was it like coming from a foreign country to the US and, and against all odds and pressures, you make something of yourself. How was that? You know, that's a great question. And, and usually I, I like to also begin that way because many times people uh, hear the accolades or they, uh, they see somebody that has accomplished a great deal. But what I have learned, Peter, over the years is that the people that have struggled through the most are usually the most influential people in the world. And the reason for that is because when you struggle through something and you surpass it, you feel a sense of uh, responsibility to want to inspire others to understand that they can to surpass it. So my story is uh, I was born in Barranquilla, Colombia, which is uh, the small town where Shakira and uh, Sofia Vergara come from. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, uh, we are a family of five boys, my brothers and I, and my parents. My father was struggling with an addiction with alcoholism. And my mother felt like if we move to the United States, maybe my father will have a better chance to be healthy, to be happy. And, uh, and it had been a very difficult time for her over the last few years. So we moved to Miami. My dad started a treatment center. And thank God that after six months, he was able to surpass his addiction and alcoholism. And for the time he died, 30 plus years later, he never drank again. Yeah. Uh, but for my brothers and I, it was an interesting experience. Here we are moving to the United States, and I thought it was going to be a great experience. But my first experience was that I was set back two years uh, in my school because I didn't speak English, and they didn't have English as a second language program. So uh, many other schools at that time, they only taught in English. So if you did not master the language, they will put you back as far as they could and mine was two years uh, because I came in without knowing anything. Uh, so that was a very difficult time for me because I thought that we were moving up in the world. And instead, <laughs> I'm leaving my friends at 13 years old, leaving the world that I've known and go into a new world with a new culture, new language, uh, and all of a sudden being set back initially. But that setback, of, uh, the blessing 
was the fact that he taught me the discipline to study. Uh, there was only one speaking, a Spanish-speaking individual in that class. Her name was Maria Verdeja, i never forget. And she would allow me to sit with her after school for two hours, and she would translate what went on every day. And I learned that learning is not about being smart. It's about being disciplined in reviewing the information until you bec that becomes second nature. So I learned that by listening to a lecture from a teacher, then being able to write my notes, and then being able to rewrite those notes or re-listen the way I had to do it with Maria in order to learn what the teacher said, yeah. it really taught me that I was able to really learn the material, and I was able to graduate from high school with a year of college. And, uh, and so I made up the time uh, by the time I was able to graduate. So that was the first thing. And then I had a, a dream that I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, of course, people told me, you know, I couldn't be a doctor and I wasn't smart enough or whatever. Uh, but I realized that if I applied myself a little bit more, I could bring my grades up and I could be more excited. And I really was very passionate about becoming a doctor. So it got me to become comfortable with getting uncomfortable. And that's what it takes to really succeed in life. You have to get out of the uncomfortable feeling to be comfortable in the success position that you see yourself into. Mm. So I became a very good student my last few years in high school. I was accepted at one of the best pre-medicine schools in the country. And then of course, from there, I got accepted at the best medical schools. And I chose chiropractic because I wanted to be in the holistic natural realm instead of promoting more medicines. I wanted to really be more in preventing and teaching people the proper lifestyle choices. Uh, and I was able to, uh, to become a doctor at that time. Wow, that's amazing. And, and the reason that's so inspirational is, and, and obviously the UK and the world's looking at America right now. And I think that story gives everybody hope that if, if you've got that determination and you've got something inside you, you're in control, not the, not the elements. And I think so many people would listen to that story and, and think that can be me. And surely that's, that's what we're trying to do here, isn't it? You know, Peter, it's interesting because there's a couple of things here that I learned. There's a lot of immigrants that may be listening to this, but to me, the way I define an immigrant is not necessarily that it comes from country or culture to another country or culture. It could be an immigrant of an environment, right? I've been into three different environments in my life. I've been in the healthcare environment, the educational environment, and of course now the media environment or the uh, influencer celebrity environment. So very different environments. So I feel like an immigrant every time I start from one to the other. Right. But the one thing that I learned in an immigrant mindset is that don't forget that those circumstances are not the ones that are defining you. What you bring into an environment, whether it's a new country, a new sector, a new industry, right? Especially if you're a CEO right now and you're wanting to go from one sector to another, is to understand that you're taking all your life experiences, all your learnings, all your teachings, everything that has made you who you are today into that new sector doesn't mean you're starting from scratch, right? When I came to the United States, yeah, there were a lot of setbacks, but I realized that I was already a good student. I was already a great athlete. 
I was already moving in a direction that I wanted to become something great. And, uh, and, and there were a couple of lessons that I learned. The first lesson, and this is something great to write down if you're listening. When we America, many people consider America the land of opportunity. But I truly believe every land has opportunity. Every environment has mm -hmm. opportunity. So my parents sat us down and they taught us three lessons, Peter. And to this day, these are the lessons that keep me so hungry for being able to have great impact in the world. The first one is, there's always opportunity around us, but it's up to us to recognize them. The challenge today that I find is that people are too busy with their own inner dialogue that they, they forget to take a look and to listen, to watch. Where are the opportunity? Where are the needs? Where can I contribute value to help others? Because that's what an opportunity is all about. The second thing is that when you have and you find that opportunity, you have to expect that eight out of 10 people at least will try to talk you out of it. You see, many people try to talk me out of everything I've done in my life. When I, became, when I wanted to become a doctor, they said I wasn't smart enough to become a doctor. When I wanted to become a public speaker, they said you can't even speak English. What makes you think you can be a speaker? When I wanted to become an author, they told me I couldn't write, so I couldn't write a best-selling book. And you know, my first book, we sold over 400,000 copies in less than two years, never in the bookstore, never online, only in my lectures that I sold them. I would sell them by the boxes. Um, so once you find that opportunity, understand that it's up to you to make that opportunity a reality. And other people, your parents, your loved ones, may talk you out of it only because it's not their opportunity, it's not their vision, their dream. So mm -hmm. don't expect people to say, go ahead and, and that's the only measurement or the only guidance that you get. Understand that just the fact that you recognize the opportunity, that means that it's you that want to execute it. And lastly, you have to take a lot of action. You have to take massive action because you can't transform by only thinking. You have to do. Thinking plus doing equals outcomes. And I believe that right now there's a lot of people that have great ideas, great dreams, but they don't take any steps to develop them, to execute them, to manifest them. So it never becomes a reality. So those three lessons, Peter, they were the lessons that my parents shared with us when we moved to the United States. And the reason that I believe my brothers and I were able to achieve a lot of success because we understood that it was up to us to be successful and not the circumstances that were in front of us. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and I've written a book and I found it really interesting that initially people around me said to me I should write a book. And I didn't, I didn't think I'd write a book, but they kept saying, oh, you've got so many stories. Why don't you write a book? So then I started to write the book and they kept saying to me, have you finished the book? I almost thinking I won't finish it, but I finished it. And they said, what's happening with your book? And then I published it. And then they asked me, how many have you sold? But it seems all the way through, people are almost disappointed that you've done what they said you should do. You know, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, and I tell you another lesson that I learned, and this is an, a lesson that, has uh, really been a great lesson for myself. And that is that when I decided to go from undergraduate school to graduate school to become a doctor, my parents had supported me financially up to that point. 
And then my father made some bad investment in oil and lost pretty much all his money uh, within a year, which was unfortunate. He, was, he took a very high risk with millions of dollars and lost it all. And now my parents called me and said that instead of going into graduate school, I should come home and let my father and my mother recover financially, sell some assets, and then they will be able to help me with my graduate school. And this is the lesson that I learned, Peter. At that point, I had a decision to make. Either I listen to my parents, right, and go back home, and then sit on my dream, my purpose, or I do whatever I need to do to make that purpose a reality. So what I did is uh, I found out that my roommate was benefiting from something called financial aid. Now, in Colombia, we didn't have financial aid, so my parents never knew that there was financial assistance uh, whenever you cannot afford a college or university. Well, I went to the office and they said that I did not qualify because my parents were claiming me and that it will be at least two semesters before I can qualify. So I said to myself, what do I have? What, money, what, what possessions, what value do I have that I can sell to be able to start school right away? And the only thing I had, Peter, at that time in my life was a car that my parents had given me for graduation. And that car was worth, at the time, uh, $17,000. And of course, I go to try to sell the car and nobody's offering me more than $4,500. So I learned the lesson that the best time to sell something is not when you need it. Yeah. It's when you don't need it because people will take advantage of you. But anyways, I was desperate. And there was one dealership that was not there and I had a deadline that by three o'clock p.m. I needed to register, otherwise I will miss my opportunity. And after two weeks of driving to different dealerships and trying to sell my car on the paper, nothing was working. That dealer, I went there and he was there, he was on vacation and he said, yeah, they told me that you came by and I said, listen, this is my situation. I want to start school, I don't have any money, uh, this is all I have. I need to come up with enough money to pay for school. And he was so touched by my story that instead of $4,500, which was the highest number that I received before, he offered me $7,800, almost double. With that money, I took the check to the school and I paid for my tuition to start. My roommate's father was so impressed by what I did that told my roommate that he will cover the, the, the apartment for one year, not to worry about it, that he will take care of it because he was so touched by what I did. My roommate drove me to school back and forth for two years. And the lesson that I learned in this is this, you are your greatest investment. You are your greatest investment. If you have a dream, if you have a purpose, that is clear, that you know what it is that you want to offer other people, that you want to contribute to the world, that you want to leave a legacy perhaps, invest in that. Because when you invest in you, others will invest in you too. And that's what I learned through that process. And that investment of $7,800 have multiplied into millions and millions of dollars over the last 30 years, yeah. all because I believed in myself. I believed in my dream. And I didn't let others, including my parents, that have my best interests at hand, deter me from my purpose. Wow, that's amazing. So, Fab, we're going to talk about how 
uh, to get people in the right state of mind and physically and, and how they think. But why do you think that we, the majority of people are not positive, don't look after their bodies, uh, think negatively? I mean, I was told once that we cry when we're born, but it takes a year to smile. Is, is it because we're naturally miserable or what, what is the problem? You know, that's a great question, Peter. And I can tell you, I've been studying this. I've studied psychology, philosophy. I, I have studied this in so many ways. And this is what I've come up with. In an evolution of a human being, most experts will tell you that our responses, our beliefs, our ability to do are pretty much set within the ages of five to seven years old. So whatever that environment was for us growing up, it dictates a lot of who we are today because all of those experiences, all of those suggestions, all of those conditionings that happen become part of our subconscious mind. Now, our conscious mind is only less than 5% of what, who we are. Over 95% is our subconscious mind, which is all... That's where most of our beliefs really reside. Somebody may say, I want to be positive, Peter, but then they are very negative in nature. That's because their subconscious mind is stronger than their conscious mind. Yes. So what I learned yes. is this, that just because you were raised in an environment that was not positive, just because you didn't have parents that loved you the way you wanted to love you, just because you had teachers that did not support your dreams and told you you will never succeed, just because you have friends that told you that you will never uh, amount to anything in life or will do anything great, <clears throat> doesn't mean that has to be your reality. What I think that people um, do not do enough of is reflect upon who they really are and take the make the decision to change their mindset and behavior to become the person they were destined to be. And so when you ask me that question, I think that the simple answer is that most people are an automatic. Most people are just following what other people do. In marketing, they teach you that if you teach a group of people, if you influence enough times, they will start doing what it is that you want them to do, even if they resist you initially. Yeah. Because repetition of a message, and that's the foundation of advertising and marketing, as you know, repetition of a message allows the individual to doubt themselves, whatever state they're in. No, I don't want to buy that car because I can't afford it. But if you tell me enough times how that car is going to help me feel more confident, help me attract more beautiful people, help me be popular around my group, help people think, uh, look, at peop look at me as successful, enough repetition of that is going to make me want to buy that car even though I can't afford it. That's the insanity that we live in. So I think it's a matter of that we're not selecting the messaging that we want to create for our lives. And that's why I, I have been a big believer of visualization uh, and, and, and creating the messages because the new science tells us that the average human being has over 70,000 thoughts a day. 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had the day before, and 80% of those thoughts are negative in nature. That's what we know today. Yes. So we are inherited negative in nature because of the repetition of that subconscious mind, which is mostly negative. Look at the news, right? 
Most people grow up watching news. That's 90% yeah. negative in nature. Look at the newspapers. Look at the magazine articles, right? Most of our input in life tends to be more negative. If you listen to the conversations of most people, you rarely will find, unless you're in a very positive environment, that they're positive in nature. They're talking about how bad the economy is. They're talking about how unhealthy the world is. They're mm. talking about how uh, people are not having jobs. Well, if you let that be your reality, that's what your reality will be. But if you choose to say, you know what? I'm taking that for what it is, but I don't want that to be my reality. Those are the people that then choose to go into the personal development or transformational mode where they choose to create their own reality rather than their reality be dictated by the opinions of others. And that's yeah. really where I think mm. most people fail in the reason that they're so negative in nature. Yeah, I think that's really true. It's interesting. I've got two daughters and one's, one's 18 and she's, she worries. And, and she's telling me every day how many people have, have been diagnosed with coronavirus. I'm going, it doesn't matter. The more you test, the more people get diagnosed. It doesn't mean it's worse. But it's interesting, isn't it, how the, the, you know, that statistic is, is driving people as opposed to just make sure you're okay and we'll all be fine. You know, uh, uh, Peter, there was a man that became a dear friend of mine and he was called the father of self-esteem. His name was Dr. Nathaniel Brandon. And he wrote a book called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, which became one of the biggest textbooks of all times on self-esteem. And the reason that that was very impactful in my life is because I believe, just like your daughter, a lot of times our self-esteem dictates to what degree we allow fear to enter our lives or to what degree do we realize that fear is just an expectation of a negative rather than an expectation of a positive. Because if you wanna go from fear into being the more optimistic person in the world, all you have to do is change that fear, right? Your daughter could have said to you, Oh, that great news. More people are testing positive. That means more testing are being done and people are able to catch this earlier and be able to get well. Because as you know, the percentage of deaths is so minimal to yeah. the people that test positive. And if you have a healthy immune system, there's many people that have been exposed to coronavirus that haven't even felt it because their immune system will take care of it just like it does the flu, right? It's a very similar virus, even though a little different in some ways, but it's a very similar virus to the flu. I don't remember the last time I got the flu. Why? Because I keep my immune system very high. Every single day I'm working on that immune system to make sure that I'm the healthiest that I can be as I get older. Why? Because I wanna live to be over 100 years old, but in a healthy way, in a healthy way. Yeah, and, and I guess people might think that when you say you're, you look after your immune system, that's just health. But that obviously the way you think affects your immune system doesn't it very much so we in my in fact when i wrote my last book the power of self-healing i talk a little bit about the things that impact our health and i boiled it down into three things there's physical emotional and spiritual and what we found is that of course the three things that impact the, the physical body the most are the fact that you have poor eating habits. It's really a lifestyle of eating. You're looking at food as a way of fulfillment rather than a way of nutrition. 
And the way that our food is processed today, it doesn't contain a lot of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants the way that natural food is supposed to be because hardly any, any nutrients are in the food. And even though it tastes great and even though it fills our tummy, it's not the most nutritious way to eat. That's why we recommend people to eat as much organic, natural foods as possible. At least 50% of your plate should be vegetables if you can, uh, and that will help you be healthier. The second thing on a physical plane is the fact that people are not moving their bodies enough. They're not exercising enough. And in, in today's world, we call exercise the new medicine because if you could put exercise in a bottle and take two pills a day, you will be the healthiest person in the world because exercise improves not only your nervous system, lowers your stress levels, it increases uh, your immune system, it increases your cardiovascular system, it helps every area of your body. And the third thing is the fact that people are over-medicated. Uh, too many medications in the world. Uh, medications have been created for the sake of managing disease, but the problem is that people are not spending enough time preventing disease. Mm -hmm. And over 80% of the conditions that we have in the world can be prevented by changing lifestyle behaviors. So that's the world that I've been in for 35 years, is inspiring people to change lifestyle behaviors in order to not depend on medications as they get older. because as you know, once you pass 50, most people are taking at least two medications. By the time they get to 70, they're taking four to eight medications a day in order to make it through the day. And all that medication, unfortunately, has side effects and toxicity that impacts the body. Yes. So those are the three things that we found in the science that impact the body the most. The emotional component is a little bit different because we found out that stress is our number one cause for being sick. And today we have more stress than ever. Would you agree? I agree. More stress than ever. Yeah. So these are the three things that we found. Having the ability to forgive will help you live longer and get rid of illness and disease. Uh, most people are holding anger, resentment, uh, depression, anxiety. All of that changes the chemistry in the body. So our emotions, our feelings, change the hormones of our body, the chemistry of the body, which then impacts our organs to the point that our organs get ill. So it's important to forgive. It's important to live in gratitude. Be grateful for what you have instead of always wanting what you don't have. The people that are not grateful enough, right? You may have a one bad leg, but you have a good leg. Are you gonna focus all day long on the bad leg or are you gonna focus on the fact that you do have one good leg still? You know, one of my dear friends, uh, is Nick uh, Vujicic. And as you know, Nick is one of the most uh, sought after speakers in the world because he was born without arms and legs. And he speaks about how he had to learn to do everything in life, including having a beautiful family of four. Uh, he drives cars, he jumps out of planes, he drives boats, he water skis. He does everything you can imagine and has a very successful business, but he doesn't have arms and legs since he was born. Wow. And what excuse do we have? What excuse do we have that have all the abilities? And then uh, the last one is love. We found out that when you don't love yourself enough and you're not loving others and others loving you enough, that really impacts the health of your body. So you need to be a little bit more patient with yourself. You need to be more kind and loving to yourself. 
You got to take care of yourself and you got to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, you can't sustain love towards anybody else. It's very difficult to do that, including your children, which is supposed to be the most unconditional love. As you know, many of that love has become conditional, not because the parent doesn't want to be unconditional, it's because they don't have it inside of them to give it. And then on the spiritual level, we found out that prayer, meditation, and being with nature, taking walks with nature, uh, is one of the most beautiful ways to be able to connect with your spiritual side. Uh, there's so many scientific studies that have proven that if you pray more, if you meditate more, if you spend more time with nature, if you're clear about your purpose in life, which I, I, I categorize it on a spiritual level, because we had millions, hundreds of millions of per sperms racing for one egg. And one sperm was the only one that was able to penetrate that egg. And none of us are the same. We all have fingerprints that are differently. We all have retinal uh, structures that are differently. So that means that you are unique in the world. So what is your purpose? What is the reason that you're here? And no one can tell you unless you define it for yourself. Other people will tell you what they think it is, and you'll find yourself not being truly fulfilled. But when you tap into that yourself, and you know this is the reason that I'm here, nothing will stop you regardless of your circumstances. So those are the three things that we identified in my last book, especially when I interviewed over 50 people that were told that they were not healed from whatever conditions they were facing. And they were sharing with me all of these things that they did in order to get well. And I started categorizing it. And that's when I started realizing that when you have a physical illness, you can't just think physical treatment. You have to also consider, is there a, 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 a possibility that my condition may be caused by an emotional distress? Is there a possibility that my condition could be caused by my spiritual disconnection, right? I don't feel that I belong to anything greater than me. So you're very limited in your way of thinking. That's one of the beautiful things about your spiritual side is that it gives you access that when your physical imperfectional uh, limitation body gets to a limit, you tap into something bigger. And then, therefore, you find more creativity and more options as to how you can get well. Yeah, wow. And, and I know that you work with um, Hay House. And, and I've, I've got a book here that Louise Hay uh, wrote. And, it, and it's got every kind of illness from, yes. you know, headache to... You can heal your life. It's one of the best books life. out there. Yeah. And it's amazing, isn't it? And, and the, I think the problem is, and, I, and we bought that book when... Um, we had a, a, a situation in the family and, and medicine, you know, wasn't the option. And we, and we got that book as a search for other things. But isn't it interesting that I've shown that book to people and I would say nine out of 10 kind of close it, roll their eyes and think he's, he's off on it. He's a bit weird today. Isn't that strange too? Well, you know, Peter, I think that what happens a lot of times, and I've been in that world, remember, forever. I came from the traditional healthcare world to the natural healthcare world, and there's a big difference. And as you know, 90% of the world is managed by traditional procedures, you know, drugs, surgery, et cetera. But I noticed that those are amazing when it comes to urgent matters. 
You know, yeah. when an organ is failing, when you have an accident, when something is so, and you have an infection that is out of control, they are the best. Nobody can dispute that. But when I see people that have a heart condition or a cardiovascular problem like high cholesterol or arteriosclerosis, and I know that what's causing that problem is their daily eating habits and lack of exercise, and they don't do anything to reverse it, mm. then that's a different situation. But if I can show them that by simply modifying their diet and adding a little bit more of an hour of a workout a day, maybe even 25 minutes, that they can reverse that or maybe even prolong, uh, prevent it from happening again, how beautiful would that be to change that life? But as you said, many people will take the easy way out. I just don't mind taking a pill a day. Yeah. I don't mind doing this. Instead of maybe looking for a different uh, way of doing it. So this is what I identified. Most of the people, when I decided to go into the natural world and become a doctor of chiropractic, which was the highest level in the natural world, higher than homeopath, higher than acupuncture, higher than everything, because it's included into the healthcare system in most countries, at least 92 countries, I realized that many of my friends were very upset at me and they questioned it and they were mad at me. Uh, some of them even stopped being my friends because they're like, Oh, you're going to go and do all that woo-woo stuff. Sorry, Bob, I think you wanted to be a neurosurgeon, yes? Yeah, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. That's why I was preparing myself to be. Yeah. So this is what I've learned. Because I experienced natural healing and it did so much for me, nobody, no matter what anybody said, I knew that for me, it made a difference. But it doesn't have to be something you have to experience yourself. You may have a mother and a father that got well through natural means when traditional means were not helping. You may have, you know, how many people have come to me over the years and said, I wish somebody would have told me that this was available because within a matter of a month, we were able to resolve an issue that they have for 20 years. Yeah. I've had that happen to me thousands of times. And this is the thing. People respond the way they respond because it's what is familiar. And people don't want to feel uncomfortable in going into an unfamiliar territory. So what do they do? They judge it. They say, oh, that doesn't work. And so what I've learned to do, Peter, is I learned to ask the question, uh, you know what? Can you tell me a little bit about how you formulated that opinion? Where did that come from? And most people can't even tell me. It's just things that they heard from other people. Acupuncture doesn't work. Homeopathy doesn't work. Chiropractic doesn't work. You know, and I'm seeing thousands of people, millions of people benefiting every year from this condition, from these uh, healing practices. So yes. I know better. And that's when I realized that I have to allow people to be where they are. All I can do is give them the information. And then all that I hope they can do is make a good choice for themselves. But even if they don't make the choice that I would make knowing what I know, I have to still love them. Because I've had so many patients that I know I could have helped early on that went on and, and suffer for another three months, six months, two years until they finally got enough pain to say, you know what, I really need some help. Can you please help me? Yeah, amazing. I was just thinking, I went to the doctors a few weeks, uh, months ago just for something very, very routine. But plastered across all the walls was, there must have been 30 different illnesses and I'm reading this stuff thinking, I didn't even know that existed. And feeling myself thinking, 
have I got what? And I came out and I said to my wife, I feel terrible. <laughs> I only went in just to collect something. I'm sure I've got something. And that, that can't help. In a, in, it's not about, to, like we, in the UK, we call, we've got a national health service. And in reality, it isn't a health service. It's a treatment service for people who are ill. Right. If, if it was, I always think about things like, you know, if there's a war on famine, how about um, plentiful food for all? It's a different context, isn't it? That we, we get yeah, into the negative of a, of a war on something. Well, the main thing that I learned as the difference in the mindset uh, is that, I'll give you an example. So right now, we have millions of people around the world expecting that a vaccine is going to be the answer to the coronavirus in the future. Now, the coronavirus has existed for years. We have known about it, uh, but never to this degree. So this is a, a little different string, but it's the same virus. And uh, one of the things that we have learned is that if we can stay healthy and maintain our bodies and our immune system, our respiratory system in a healthy way, the coronavirus won't have that negative impact that it's having on other people. But right now, just like the flu vaccine, the, flu, the virus changes, it mutates, it, it, it continues to change. So as a healthcare provider, as a scientist, I know that the vaccine is not gonna be like a bacteria like penicillin. We know that a bacteria you can attack through penicillin and be very effective, especially when it's very big. But a virus keeps changing. So to me, when the idea of a flu vaccine came about, I couldn't believe it. And we were early on, and, but I was so young that my mother wanted me to have it. Well, I had it one time and I got so sick because when you put it in, you're actually injecting the condition, the illness in the body so the body can produce the proper antibodies to protect you. But what I've learned is the fact that the reason you have to keep having vaccines of the flu every year is because the flu changes every year. But if you maintain your healthy immune system, you won't need to have those kind of vaccines because it won't affect you. Like my children don't, have never been vaccinated with the flu shot and they don't get sick because they keep their bodies healthy. They've yeah. learned that from me and others. And, and, you know, and that's really important to understand. So yeah. a vaccine, I just don't want people to set expectations. And I know there's a lot of people, experts that are telling that in the news don't think that a vaccine is the cure at all. It's the fact that, yeah, it will give some support to some people, but it's not the answer for everybody that as long as if they're vaccinated, you're gonna be immune because the reality of it is, we don't know how your body's gonna respond to that vaccine. And the fact that they're rushing it so much, they're not gonna have enough time to test it enough times in order to be able to determine the safety factor of a vaccine. So I'm telling everyone, in my following, I'm telling all my family, the best thing you can do is build your immune system. So how do you do that? Make sure that during this downtime, you're eating as healthy as you can, as many vegetables as you can. Number two, drink a lot of water. We need to flush our bodies with water so it detoxifies itself, and that will help build your immune system. Number three, make sure that you take plenty of sun or take vitamin D because vitamin D is very important in building the immune system. So if you're not getting enough sunshine, make sure that you supplement with vitamin D. 
Number four, make sure you take omega supplements or eat more fish um, and uh, omega-rich foods uh, like avocados. They're going to help you a great deal to be able to build your immune system. Uh, you know, and then the last one that I would tell you that has been very effective with the coronavirus patients is to take uh, vitamin C, about one to 2,000 uh, uh, milligrams of vitamin C a day. And uh, so that way your vitamin C can be high. And then that has been one of the best treatments for coronavirus patients, what we see in some of the best studies as far as the results. So if you do that, and maybe move your body and exercise at least 25 minutes a day, uh, on top of that, you should be very strong. So mm -hmm. all the things that I've said to you are things that everybody can do without a big cost and also to get that peace of mind that even if they get exposed, <clears throat> because chances are you're going to get exposed, but it doesn't mean that it's going to hurt you, that it's mm -hmm. going to kill you. It just yeah. means you got exposed. Like all the people that are getting post-tested, tested positive uh, it's just the fact that they're being tested doesn't mean that they're going to get sick that's why there's so many people that don't even know that they have the virus because they don't have any symptoms sure sure well you my, my wife will love this because she says every day there's no way we're getting vaccinated <laughs> so there's millions of people thinking the same way yeah I love Fab, what you took you you made an analogy of putting um, fuel in your sports car would you would you would you tell us that uh, that I did what to my sports car? You you said that that um, you treat people treat the fuel that goes in oh, the yeah. sports car better than what they well, put in the mouth. You know, it's interesting because uh, if you really pay attention, if you think for a minute, you only get one body in this life, and you can change your shoes if you don't take care of them. You can change your home or apartment if you don't take care of them. You can change your car if you don't take care of them. You can change pretty much anything if you don't take care of it. But your body is the only thing that you can change. And if you interview some of the biggest billionaires in the world, they will tell you that their number one priority is their health because many of them have spent their life building their business while sacrificing their health only to find out that all the money in the world can never give them this, mm. right? They can't buy another body. They can't put a young body inside of an old body. It doesn't work like that. So I said to myself, and I began to do this when I was a doctor early on in my career, and I started telling patients that I see your body as a high-performance car. So what is your favorite high-performance car? And they would say, oh, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, or Mercedes, or a Lexus, or a Bentley, whatever it is. And I said, great. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to think of yourself as a high-performance car. Now, if you were a high-performance car, what kind of gasoline would you give it? Would you give it the, the, the cheapest gasoline or the most expensive one that is clear, it's clear and it's going to allow you to run that engine the way it's meant to run? They say, oh, no, I will put the most expensive one, the, the best quality one. And I say, well, think about this. Think about if your mouth was the little tag that opens up when you put gas in your car, you know, and all of a sudden everything you eat is junk, right? High sugars, high foods, uh, fried foods. If you're feeding that to your body, 
how do you think your body is going to perform? And they say, not very well. If you never change your oil in your sports car, right? If you don't do the things that are assessments and keep track of how your body is performing, if you don't uh, put the right oil, uh, water in your system, you know, and you drink too much or you drink sodas that are so high in, in, in sugar, if you put all that in your body, how do you think your body's going to perform? Not good. And I said, well, that's what I want you to learn. Every time you open your mouth, understand that what you put in it is how you're going to be performing. And you get to choose. If you want to be a, a junk card that is going to have to be probably uh, obsolete because it doesn't run and you're going to have to be parked somewhere because the engine is completely broken. Or if you want to be that high sports car that is a high performer that is winning the Indianapolis 500, whatever the case may be, right? Then that's what I want you to do. Begin to utilize that behavior. And uh, people seem to enjoy that very well. I love that. I love that. I love analogies. And I think anyone can visualize that. And I think that's just amazing. Um, Dr. Faber, we, we could, I knew this would happen. We could talk all night. I want to ask you a favor because I've got so many things to talk to you about. You, you've yeah. met some amazing people. You've met some of my absolute heroes. So I want to ask you, would you come back another time? Because I want to talk about more things. Of course, it will be my pleasure. We'll make it the Dr. Fab series. <laughs> I'd be honored. We could, we could do this weekly. Um, and you know, Peter, I would like to also mention this. Because many of your audience are CEOs, either CEOs of their life or CEOs of companies, uh, one of the things that I have been doing for many years is making sure, because I was a, very, a CEO and I would love to have that conversation as to my, my greatest lessons for the many years that I've been a CEO. But uh, one of the things that I want you to understand if you're listening is that the responsibility of CEO is great because others depend on your performance, on your ability to think clearly. I never took that for granted. I had, in my last uh, company, I had over 400 employees. And every single day I woke up thinking that my level of thinking and my performance that day was what was determining whether that individual was able to collect a paycheck to feed their family, to be able to have roof over their head, to be able to educate their children. And I never took that for granted. And what I find with CEOs is that many of them do not put the health that they currently have as a priority. They allow the success they have in their business to sometimes get so wrapped up into that that you forget that as you get older, your body's gonna demand things from you that you're not gonna be able to deliver. So take, pay attention to your health. And maybe in the next one, we'll talk a little bit about that, but. I wanted to do that because since I cover a little bit of the behaviors that you can do from a physical, emotional, and spiritual, I want you to act on it right now and begin to utilize that even at these early stages of getting to know me so you can become the best CEO you can be. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's, uh, that's, again, wonderful advice. Um, so we're out of time, Dr. Fab. I, I've absolutely, I knew I would love it. Um, I've loved it even more. I'm, I'm, my mind's buzzing. Um, and I, I would, everybody would love you to come back. So I want to thank you for your time and your wisdom. Um, and um, I, I, I look forward to speaking again. So thank you very much.
And Peter, I want to just mention that, remember that uh, I want to give a gift to the people that are listening right now, uh, because I've been collecting resources for over 30 years of great resources from uh, books, audios, videos, uh, in order to allow you to live your potential. And I wanted to offer that to your uh, individual following uh, for at least 30 days during this difficult time, because I understand that the world needs you more now than ever. And especially if you're in a position of high power, you have to make good decisions because a lot of people depend on it. Your industry depends on it. Your country depends on it. Your community depends on it. So if they just go to drfabacademy.com, D as in dog, R as in Robert, F as in Frank, A, B as in boy, academy with a Y, dot com, they will get access to all of the resources that I put together for over the last 30 years at no charge as my gift and your gift to them. And these are resources that people pay thousands of dollars a month to have access to. But I'm doing this, as I told you, Peter, because I have a mission to help people. I have a mission to allow people to understand that this coronavirus has been the greatest gift that we have received because it's allowed us to pause. We all got a universal timeout, right? Mm -hmm. We needed to pause, rethink, and now what we do from it is what's gonna make the difference. I want you to respond to this with your best and most constructive creative side because this is the time where you can take your business to a whole new level, your life to a whole new level, because you've been given the gift of being quiet still for quite some time. And even though I know we're all ready to get back full, full force, I want you to know this was the greatest gift that you could have gotten it. But how you respond to this will determine your outcome when we get out of it. And that's what I want you to utilize all of these resources so you can benefit from that. Brilliant. That's so that's amazing. That's so generous. Thank you. And and people will get enormous benefit from that. So thank you again. Um, Dr. Fab, you take care and we'll we'll speak soon. See you. Bye bye.